I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's program, we share some insights gathered from the National Farm Machinery Show on the promise and possible pitfalls associated with blockchain and ag. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you have another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll make every effort to get it added. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Recent market reports suggest that the global blockchain technology market in ag could grow by more than 50% during the next five years, with the primary barrier to expansion being information security. With ag data connectivity and security being areas of trending importance for manufacturers, dealers, and farmers, at the 2019 National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, we invited companies to offer perspectives on how and when blockchain will emerge in ag. While still a vague concept for some, others see more defined entry points with intersection within the industry. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from those company conversations with outlook and obstacles to blockchain becoming a part of precision farming business. We start with a perspective from Dave Ahern, Vice President, Direct Division of IntelliFarms, who talked about the marketing momentum behind tracing crops to their origin and the opportunity for companies in ag to capitalize. You know, we're here at the show this week. You know, one of the trends we're looking at, you know, is kind of this this concept of blockchain, which also correlates with traceability, you know, and, and obviously that's being driven to a certain extent by consumers. But, you know, when we're thinking about the egg industry, what are maybe some of the opportunities or, or barriers you're seeing or anticipate when we're moving in that direction, you know, and this could be from the equipment side, uh, service side, just a higher level, you know, industry perspective on, you know, what are we, what can we anticipate as far as an integration of some of that? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, traceability is happening with or without us. It's kind of like real estate. You can't change your neighborhood, but uh, with traceability happening, farmers need to position themselves for the traceability and for the markets. So if they can position themselves through technology for a market that's current or the future market, that's what they need to do. So that involves every decision on the farm, whether when they're building a bin, whether they're buying paint or something that makes money, all of those kind of decisions. Markets are driven by people that aren't always just in ag. It's driven by everybody. And when it's happening, we've got to watch it. We've got to catch on to it. So we're seeing a lot of markets in organic that are really hot right now. Some of the next markets that are coming around the corner, and you can look at any publication, anything out there, is what's in my food, what's in my commodities. So it's not no longer just selling soybeans or corn, it's what's in it, it's the composition. So if you look up composition-based marketing, that's what it's identified as, you're looking for things like proteins. You're looking for things like starches and oils. And identifying that on the farm. I come from a background of business, and any time that I had to do business with people, I had to separate myself from a comp- competitor. Farmers need to do the same thing and establish what is unique about them and establish that I have something, I have a product, not just a commodity. Part of our 
our slogan, if you will, is grow for a purpose. So be purposeful and, and intentional about what you do. So when you're talking about being a leader or a follower in this in this area, and you know, obviously you mentioned kind of there's outside influences that are affecting this. How do you see egg being able to position itself in this area? And and you know, are, are they gonna be a leader in this? Is it gonna be are they gonna get pulled or are they gonna push? I think farmers are gonna push eventually. Uh, I think I think, you know, sometimes in ag we're pulled in markets and seed and different things, you know. Um, but farmers will push. They're they're I dare I use the word hard headed, but it's more it's more independent. And they want to be independent and as farmer as long as farmers are independent, that's that's how we stay in business. That's what we do. And so I want them to stay in So what are some of the ways that, you know, either you guys or the industry as a whole is starting to move in this direction, you know, and, and being able to integrate that, I guess, accountability, traceability, you know, when we're talking about the end user and the consumer and, and how that is going to transpire here. So what, what steps are we taking at this point to kind of move in that direction? Okay, I'll, I'll relate what we do with that. Basically, when we made a choice, we had great products. We still have great products in grain bin management, bin manager, things like that soil probes, stuff like that. We made a decision that we weren't gonna just push moisture temperature cables or soil probes. There was more purpose behind it. Everything has to be profit driven. And everyone in ag has to look at that and believe in that and, and work towards those kind of missions. So what we did is we expanded our not only our product line, but what it would do. And we also heard the voice of not only our customer as the farmer, but our customer as the end user. Because those two don't always talk to each other. It's a different language. So the end user was demanding that they needed inventory and CO2 and testing and different things like that. So we built a product base around that. So we positioned ourselves, just like we want our partners, our growers to do, is position yourself for that kind of market. We also caught up with Rob Zamenchik, Crop Production Marketing Manager for Case IH, who touched on some of the commercial blockchain influences which could ultimately be adopted in ag. Rob, I appreciate you taking a few minutes here at the show. You know, one of the things that I'm hearing more about, and, and I'm guessing you guys are as well at Case IH, is the concept of blockchain and, and how this will influence the future of this industry. But already, you know, we're starting to see some of that in other industries, right? Well, this is exactly right, Jack. Uh, we've looked at blockchain. It's a very exciting way that uh, data is tracked and uh, traced. For example, Walmart did a study recently and they looked at a load of apricots that came in and asked themselves, where did this box of apricots come from? So they went back in their manual logs and ledgers and traced this shipment of apricots through their logistics department and purchasing people. And it took them seven days to actually find the orchard that these apricots came from. And then they compared that process against blockchain and in less than two seconds knew exactly where this load of uh, apricots had come from. So from their standpoint, it really brings the producer and the uh, consumer closer together. And we at Case IH think there's a role for us to play too. Since our customers' products, our farmer products, touch so many uh, feedstuffs and grains and you know goods that consumers buy. Uh, and so we, we believe we have a role to play there. Uh, we could follow, uh, for example, coffee beans that are harvested in Brazil or uh, a load of corn that goes to a, a egg producer or, or a hog producer. Um, any of that could facilitate bringing consumers, producers, and others closer together 
make sure that things are as the uh, customer wants them. And, and so this is what we're looking at. So you referenced the test or the experiment, you know, that Walmart had done with, with yeah. the apricots. What might be considered more, you know, specialty crops outside of the Corn Belt here, um, I, I've heard, you know, is, is probably a good entry point for some of the traceability aspects. I am curious, you know, what do you think when we're getting into more of kind of the, the grain crops and, and, you know, are there limitations or, or what potential is there maybe when we want to get to that level of traceability? Okay, so we have uh, producers that are, you know, operating on hundreds of fields today with many hybrids, levels of fertilizer, different crop protection uh, inputs that are having to be used these days for weed resistance or other technologies. Um, that knowledge and uh, capability to know what went where, what was used at what rates when, and then tracing all that up into where this commodity goes into the food production chain uh, it helps the purchasers of those feedstuffs um, know what they're using to produce something that ends up on the grocery shelf. And it's not about just when there's an issue with the product, but just in terms of what the consumer wants. Uh, do they want uh, you know, low trans fat yogurt? Do they want a, a bacon that's raised a certain way? It's no longer just commodities at an elevator tossing something onto a barge and that's the end of it. The data and knowledge traces itself all the way through the kitchen table. So you mentioned the data element, which is obviously very crucial here yeah. when you're talking about getting that information, you know, from the field and tracking it even before you know farmers are going to get into field to plant whatever crop they're planting. Um, that's a, a topic that I've heard dealers reference as possibly. Uh, a role they can play in kind of the data side of things, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, working with, with companies and manufacturers on that. Do you see that as, as an entry point for more of a service standpoint? Absolutely. Digital agronomic services are a frontier that each and every dealer is going to have to uh, at least decide the level to which they participate. And for example, we form partnerships with Farmers Edge, Ag DNA, and Climate. And uh, you know, it's Case IH is not going to pick hybrids and make fertilizer recommendations anytime soon, but we will provide the delivery systems for all that. So the two of us work together, us and our partners, to be sure that uh, uh, the solution is right for the grower and our dealers are the underlying support platform for all that to happen successfully uh, in the marketplace. So for now, all of our mobile applications and uh, connectivity of our new uh, AFS Connect Magnum tractor, for example, will dovetail into the dealer's support and parts systems so that the uptime is maximized, uh, that uh, there's no longer long conversations required with, you know, what did you see? How did it happen? No, they will know through software what took place so to be able to help the grower out quicker and in make uh, intervening actions if necessary, even before the dealer ever would pick up the cell phone. So this is fully automated and this is the dealership service of the future. So looking at, at the future, what steps do you see needing to be taken to pull the blockchain concept into egg? Is it going to be kind of pushed in, influenced by outside industries, you know, such as a Walmart or, or a Microsoft or something like that? Yeah. Or do you think, you know, from a company standpoint, manufacturers are going to kind of embrace, pull in, try to adapt some of those capabilities into products that are either being produced or services that are being offered? All along the production path from field to fork, there will be 
players who will have a role in the data and the traceability of the product being produced. It might start as a load of corn and end up in corn flakes, for example. <laughs> and, and, and so, yeah, you have Kellogg's on one end of it and Case IH on the other and a grower in between and a shipping companies. Everybody's going to have a role to play in that. And rather than a bunch of three carbon copies and clipboards, it's just going to be blockchain and it'll be done in milliseconds automatically uh, at the speed of light. And, and we'll see this uh, in the marketplace, I think, uh, fairly soon. It's already happening uh, with the uh, big box stores and it'll happen at the production level as well. So tying it back to your uh, initial story there with uh, being able to utilize blockchain and, and trace back you know, the source of those apricots and where they came from in yeah. two seconds. Do you think the egg industry will ever get to the point where we can trace back where corn, soybeans came from to that level in a matter of seconds? Or is it gonna be? Thanks, Jack. It's a two-way traceability. We know where the commodity went, but they can also look back with this open ledger system to where it originated from. So everyone benefits. And I think transparency is a, a virtue, not a vice in this. And I think everyone can benefit. Doug Applegate, CEO of Praxidine, has been working with Ag Gateway, a collaborative nonprofit organization focused on improving digital ag practices on traceability, tracking grain from the field to the processor, and within the last year, tracking chemistries used on those fields. Blockchain is getting much more traction. And um, we're probably seeing it a little first in like the fruit and vegetable type markets, and which is logical. You know, there's the romaine lettuce thing was a really big deal last year. And I think people can track this stuff through the system, but blockchain gives credibility to the tracking because it's a distributed uh, database that is hard to tamper with. It's, well, virtually impossible to tamper with. And so it gives credibility, it gives trust to a system. And really that's what it's all about, is trusting the consumer, trusting the supplier. And so it's, that's what blockchain does. It gives you trust that things are not tampered with, the data is not tampered with. So um, we're seeing, you know, like um, implement dealers, just recently an implement dealer brought up blockchain to us. And um, that was kind of a first. And I was kind of pleased to hear the, of the awareness of that. Um, and one of the things that I've been working with is at Gateway for a number of years on traceability. So we were looking at uh, initially, probably three or four years ago now, tracking grain from the field to the processor. So, um, you know, all of those steps that have to happen and all the machine communications and things. So we've been working on that for a while. It's also added recently uh, probably within the last year, we're looking at the tracking the chemistry used on those fields. So then that's kind of part of now relating to our business at this point, where uh, we will be measuring those products as they go into a system. So measuring and identifying products um, kind of automatically, uh, any kind of automated record typically is gonna be a better quality record because you don't have the human intervention of making mistakes also goes along with blockchain because if you don't have a human entering the data it's all about the trust again you know so we're going back to that trust thing where if you've got a machine that's capturing that data automatically you're going to have better quality data 
It's also going to give you more trust from the very front end of your system. And um, when it's automatically captured, then you gain some efficiencies as well, which um, that's a huge deal out on the farm because we don't want to have um, a lot of busy work to support things like blockchain. And so anytime we can make those data connections automatic, you know, data combined with your planner, what product was planted here, things of that nature, you know, identify the seed, identify where it was placed in the field. All those things are starting to merge to support that type of information. So you mentioned, obviously, it seems logical that, you know, the entry points might be kind of the fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I've, I've talked with a couple of dealers that, you know, have said, They've, they've worked with customers that, you know, maybe they have a vineyard and, you know, there's a bottle of wine that's getting produced out of there where you can kind of go back and trace where that came from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how challenging is it going to be to apply that same concept when we're talking about a grain farmer, you know, and, and you mentioned some of the work you're doing with that gateway. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges associated with getting to that level of, of sure, traceability? The, right, the granularity of knowing where did this load come from on the farm? A little bit of the problem is when you start dumping a truckload of corn into a million bushel bin, suddenly loses a lot of identity. But what can happen is uh, for traceability, processors could do a well call type thing. Like I need your grain from this farmer. Well, when they're bringing those individual loads in at that point, then the processor can keep track of it at that point. So there may be kind of a couple of levels of traceability, uh, you know, perhaps uh, for livestock feeding operations, uh, kind of a little more general level of traceability is good, but maybe for human consumption into a grain processor, um, a higher level of traceability might be important. So I think we're going to see systems on the farm to automate uh, the traceability between the harvester and the trucks and the bands to the processor. We will see those kind of systems evolve. Right now we're developing the data behind it and that has come a long way. It's pretty well there. So uh, when we have the common data, it's a huge step into enabling these systems. And kind of thinking about, you know, the roles that maybe companies are going to play and, and even maybe to a certain extent dealers do you envision there being a hardware element to this, a service element to this, when we're talking about, you know, defining, uh, you know, what's what's going to be the the most valuable approach to incorporating blockchain into into the agricultural network? I see that there will be multiple ways of accomplishing this. So the lowest cost entry point is going to be what do you do with your smartphone? You're running an app on your smartphone maybe taking pictures, scanning barcodes, that type of thing. Um, that's gonna be the lowest cost entry point. Next level will be where, like say your scale on your green carts, recording the loads as they come onto the cart and a destination of say a green bin or an elevator where that load went. And then that data integration into further systems. At some point I kind of expect that to all become automatic down the road with sensors on the combines and grain carts and bins to associate these product movements. So there'll be multiple levels of this happening. The lowest cost will be your smartphone.
And finally, we had a chance to catch up with Bryce Baker, Integrated Marketing Manager with Precision Planting, who noted the potential connection between the hardware and software as entry points to blockchain progress. Just from, it seems like in the agricultural supply chain, uh, getting commodities shipped and maybe traded with foreign countries, it seems like that's kind of a cumbersome process. And potentially there's some ways to streamline that, maybe make transactions happen faster um, and actually potentially a lot more secure um, by using blockchain technology as opposed to kind of paper contracts and the back and forth. Um, I also think it seems like from a consumer demand standpoint, you know, um, a lot of consumers are demanding a lot more, I guess, transparency or just kind of understanding, you know, when I go to a store and I buy food, where did it come from? And, you know, obviously we say, well, it came from the farm. It didn't come from the grocery store's shelf, but even more with, well, what farm did it come from and so on. And so it seems like that potentially blockchain could be used in a, in a, a fairly uncumbersome way to actually let those consumers who want to know that um, be able to have that. And you know what, maybe there's a possibility that um, growers and um, dealers that utilize that technology, maybe there could be a premium, I don't know, um, if they're providing that information, but blockchain could be a, an easier way to make that happen. So I think as with any technology, we in ag need to be cognizant and learning. Um, I need to learn more about it myself, but just uh, cognizant learning of what's happening so that if it comes to the industry, and when there's opportunities, we're able to take advantage of them if they make sense um, for, for growers and dealers. Thinking about those opportunities and you know, possibly uh, you know, where the pieces might fit, just kind of thinking forwardly, do you think there may be a hardware element, a service element that could be involved you know, with egg service providers, whether it's, it's dealers and, and certainly maybe on the manufacturing side? Yeah, I think there sure could be. Um, and I think that's a that's an avenue to explore. Um, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, obviously. Um, but I think as we look at just maybe the past five years of ag technology, um, you know, typically that has been hardware and software base. And so it, it seems like that as any new technologies come, those are two fields, both hardware and software, where that technology is going to apply. And so whether that's uh, service and repair, whether that's agronomic services in some way, or whether that's hardware that's actually on equipment, um, I think there's promise, and we need to be need to be ready, uh, ready and knowledgeable when it when it comes our direction. Well, thank you to each of the companies for sharing their time and perspective at the 2019 National Farm Machinery Show, and those listeners who would like to see more of our coverage can visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com. And once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And a reminder, you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll tune in and join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. For those companies we visited with at the National Farm Machinery Show and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening.